Activate interlocks, dinotherms connected, intracells up, mega thrusters are go. Let's go, not appropriate. <laughs> I can only pray that you're recording that. Are, are you satisfied now? Are you ready? <laughs> Please say you recorded that. It's possible. <laughs> Alright, welcome to Rated NA, the podcast for the website nerdappropriate.com. This is episode number 117, and it's a not regular episode, I guess, again, because Hillary can't make it. Yeah, Hillary is uh, neck deep in meetings, M-E-E-T-I-N-G-S. Um, weird. <laughs> <laughs> neck deep in meetings. <laughs> She's in meetings right now. No, she, uh, We didn't really know we were going to record today. We're recording at a weird time. It's um, Monday, is it Monday. Monday, seven twenty-five Eastern. Yeah, so it's Monday, four twenty-five Monday Pacific. Evening. So we're recording Monday, and Hillary is uh, in meetings about uh, packs and uh, what else is going on right now. I guess that's important. She yeah. can be excused. Yeah, so she can't come, which is sad. Huh. So yeah, so <laughs> next. Sorry, I'll just. That's my fault. <laughs> I take full responsibility for that. That was not me for once. So yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. It was Scott. I'm so proud of you, mouth. Scott. It's always weirder coming out of Scott's mouth. Uh, Let's do the rundown. I don't know. I don't really know what we're going to do today. But this weekend we went to uh, AFO, which is the what is that Anime Fest Orlando? Yeah, this was I think fourteen yeah. number fourteen. The the irony is that we're we're not huge anime people, but we just kind of went. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. that that was fun and um we'll talk about it and uh and then we're just going to talk about other stuff there's there's a bunch of games planned for xbox one there's some games that came out this week uh ash played going home i ash saw kick-ass 2 let's see i played uh a game called take on mars which is in a early access steam phase kind of thing right now and uh we don't have an aquato so we're just gonna wing it does that sound yeah. good yeah, might be a short episode. Might be long. We'll see. That's okay. But at it's least we can episode. we can entertain people on their drives or walks or or whatever they do. Yeah. So Ash, why yeah. don't you start us off? Well, um, I went to AFO with you guys this weekend, which was a moderately sized convention here in Orlando. Um, and we'll I guess talk about that during our news section. I guess we'll dig into the details of that. But that was fun. It's always fun to, to hang out with the bros. And my wife came along, surprisingly. She was like, I'll go to an anime convention. And I, I told her she had to wear the narwhal hat that I bought her. <laughs> I usually, when I go to PAX or like any conventions and my wife doesn't go, I, I buy like the, the most hideous gift I can find <laughs> and like pretend that it's like something that she should be happy about. So I got her this hat that looks like a narwhal with like a giant horn, but the horn's a rainbow. And it's like blue and like just like horrible. And I made her put it on. I'm like, hey, put on this hat I bought for you. It's so awesome. And she <laughs> put it on. It's like looking at me like, I fucking hate you. <laughs> Weird, weirdly, though, if she had worn that, she would have stuck out less at the convention. That is true. Yeah, yeah. But not so, wearing it. That's true. So that was, that was fun. Um, I played uh, an indie game this weekend called Gone Home, 
which uh, I liked a whole lot. And it's uh, all over the place, man. Yeah, you know, I uh, I heard about it from the Birches, who I I really I respect their opinions on games because I don't think I've ever listened to them say they like something and then I've never liked it. So I was listening to the Birches talk about it and I was like, you know, fuck it. Like, I don't know what the game's about and nothing about it. So I'm just going to go ahead and get it on Steam and I'm going to sit down and play it. And that's what I did. So we'll talk about that in the review section. I think um, everyone should definitely check out Gone Home though. And I played um, a bit more Dragon's Crown and got to a point that I found uh, to be a little bit frustrating. So we'll talk about that as well. Oh, and I went and saw Kick-Ass 2, um, which we'll talk about. Okay. Uh, I guess we'll talk about everything I did later. We should all talk about what you did. I did I, I, <laughs> Not now. I don't want to talk about it. I had a crazy action-packed weekend, which was great. Uh, let's jump to Scott. You always jump to Scott. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. So, yeah, we went to AFO, and that was enlightening. And uh, I started... Enlightening. Uh, <laughs> yeah? Is that not the right word to use? This could mean so many different things. Yeah, I know. It's just, um, you know, we talk about games on this podcast, but we don't play a lot of uh, JRPGs, and I don't really think a lot of us watch a lot of anime, so it's it's kind of like it's like we're going to visit nerd cousins, you know, it's yeah, like not not right. our nerddom, but somebody yeah. else's nerddom. Like we still yes. love them a lot, but it's like not someone we would like necessarily um, love. We got it. It's yeah. fine. We have to move past this weird point that you're making. <laughs> I see what you're trying to do. Yeah, you um, see. Right. So uh, it's just like not like nerd cousins. We got it. Nerd cousins is a perfect analogy. We don't <laughs> yep. need more. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> So um, I've been like checking out this time? game called Take on Mars, which is on Steam, uh, available as an early access title. And I'm not going to do a review because it's in early access, and I don't, I don't think that would be fair to do that since the game is not necessarily complete. But I do want to mention it by saying that um, it is available, and I find it to be pretty entertaining. And uh, what it is, it's a, um, game, it's a game made by Bohemia Interactive, and they made like the Arma series, and they make commercial products like VBS2 and stuff like that. So this game is a sort of like a Mars rover simulation game, which it's, I mean, like I'm interested in the content. So I'm already like on board for, for like this sort of hardcore simulation experience, you know, and uh, pretty much what you do from what I've seen so far is you can build your own um, Mars rovers. You can launch them onto the surface of Mars and conduct like you know experimentation that that you would do if you were at nasa or something so i'm like sampling soil and driving around and taking pictures of craters and yeah it's you drive up to that mars face the face crater can you check that out for me i haven't gotten there yet and the the funny thing is that you can i didn't do this but you can elect to play the game in real time meaning that you know depending on what time it is here there's like you know it, it kind of like um changes where the sun is on mars so I loaded it up for the first time, and I was like, well, I don't want to play in real time, but let me play in game time. And I was like, cool. So I launched my first mission, and like everything was static. And I was like, oh, man, this is so early. Like There's not even visuals for this game. I'm like clicking stuff. I have no idea what's going on. I back out, and I realize that it's nighttime on Mars. Oh, wow. And so I conducted an entire mission like at night. It's just It was like cool. the tutorial mission. But... And then I realized that it's weird because there's not a lot of... like. Um, 
uh, like tutorials or instruction or whatever. You just have to like figure out how to actually operate a Mars rover yeah. on your own. <laughs> I mean, because it's early access, so it's just like sort of in progress. But I realized that there was a black light. I mean, like a night vision cam on my rover, and like it's cool. But like, I think this whole uh, the aspect of discovery and even the aspect of discovering how to play the game for some reason appeal to me, and I I really like it. So if um, if you're into sort of the sciency simulation experience i would encourage everybody to keep an eye on take on mars and maybe even uh enter the early access program but seems pretty cool from what i've seen so far very cool so that was the not review thing i wanted to talk about but wanted to mention so matt what's going on yeah hey guys i went to afo as well what you were there we're gonna we're gonna talk about it later later um so there was that uh (laughs) i got a beanbag chair for my birthday (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah. it was my birthday. I leveled up this week. You did? <laughs> yeah. I totally you, leveled up this week. What did you put your points into? Um, uh, I think my points, what would I put them into this this, this time? Wrinkles. Creativity. <laughs> Creativity? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You could have said bought, like instant coffee or something. I don't know. Well, that's what I was going to say. So I bought, I got, I got some stuff from people, right? And uh, I bought myself some stuff, too, because you get to an age of which yeah. I am definitely at where not only is it probably hard to figure out what to buy somebody when you're like, you know, buying somebody else a gift. But like you as yourself, just, you know, treat yourself, get a little something. Why not? You've got you, you have income now. It's like a real you're yeah. like a real human being with income and in, in your own life. You can treat go buy yourself. Things. So I got uh, I got myself a Keurig coffee machine, which I am 100% obsessed with. Oh, yeah. Those things are crazy. <laughs> I, drink, I drink out of it constantly. I make coffee every morning. I make like, decaf at night, some tea on occasion. You're even snobby about the flavors now. I can't drink hazelnut. I can't do flavored <laughs> coffee is the problem. Like yeah, if I had ordered okay. – so I ordered – this. I was telling them a white, a white people problem earlier. Uh, I ordered uh, iced coffee for the Keurig. Apparently, you can, you can get things, put a cup of ice, and it'll, it'll like brew it correctly so that it tastes right even though it melts over the ice. And uh, I ordered like regular coffee flavor called Nantucket because it couldn't get any whiter than that Nantucket blend. <laughs> and then uh, and then I got freaking hazelnut, guys. Hazelnut. <laughs> I can't drink flavored coffee. It's not going to happen. It just is not, it's not in my DNA. Uh, I also bought myself a... Uh, I've been playing music again, and I bought myself a... a controller is what it's called it's like an instrument essentially for midi music oh that's cool. cool that's awesome that i love and then ash and christy got me or his wife christina got me a uh, waffle maker yeah i did level up a little bit by successfully making waffles i took a picture of it and sent it to ash and and my wife and his wife nice it was a good good waffle them's delicious big, massive freaking waffle maker man the thing makes gigantic waffles I'll send you a recipe. A co. This is like this is like the most masculine podcast ever. Let's do I'll it. Send you the recipe that my coworker gave me. It's quite delicious, and I think Please you do. will really enjoy partaking in it. Please do. I didn't want to. I didn't. I didn't want to have like uh, variables to the first batch, so I just bought like Publix brand waffle mix. You know, I, di- I didn't want to be like like why does it look like glue? And like it's because I mixed something <laughs> wrong. And you know, I just figured dumb it down as much as I can for the first batch, and then we'll go. <laughs> we'll we'll experience more from there. Uh, and then my wife got me a a friggin beanbag chair we used to joke that we were going to get a beanbag chair a bucks one because i'm a i'm a bucks fan for football and uh she went ahead and did it for my birthday and it's amazing i sat in it and watched the first half of the bucks game the other day and it was awesome 
the beanbag chair was awesome, not the Bucks game. The Bucks game was pretty terrible. <laughs> uh, they lost and whatever. But the chair was amazing, and I yeah. felt good sitting in it. You can kind of like it's weird. It, like it totally encourages the worst sitting behavior ever. But like you kind of just keep sinking. Like over time, you'll just keep <laughs> kind of sliding forward and leaning back further into it. You know. But I also learned they need they need some break in. They're they're a little like it's a little too filled feeling when you first get it. Mm. So it needs to like kind of like stretch out a little and relax. Mold to your contours, if you exactly. will. Exactly. Yeah. And then the last thing I did, which I, I thought to bring up, because it's it's something I am very nerdy about, but it's not in the domain of what we usually talk about on this site, is uh, I went to a comedy show on Saturday, um, a local one, because I have a couple friends that are in stand-up here in, this, in Orlando, and one of them puts on a pretty cool, like, it's not like open mic. It's kind of like an indie comedy show. Like it's, it's a bunch of smaller Orlando comedians that he kind of curates the show and you're only allowed to do it like once every couple of weeks. Like he won't, so you don't see repeats, you know, throughout the month if you were to go back and see it again. Um, but it was really great. And, and they were pretty damn funny. They each had like a couple of like really killer jokes. And then, uh, we ended up just hanging out talking about comedy for like the rest of the night. I was there till like way too late, like two in the morning or something. <laughs> that cool. I, I never do. That's awesome. But, um, but yeah, it was cool. If you're in Orlando, it's got a it's got a naughty name. It's called Shit Sandwich. So if oh. you're in Orlando, delicious. Check it out. It's at Bull and Bush. I think on like weekends or something. Check it out. But it was cool. It was a nerdy. It was a very nerdy, fun thing to do, like in a different way. But a good time. Hey, you guys. You know what else is a really nerdy, fun thing to do? What's that, Scott? Going to PAX. <laughs> News. I really, I, it's hard to uh, <laughs> to uh, you know carry carry the torch when Hillary's gone. You know, know. making the transitions. Segways, man. segways. damn segways. Yeah. Don't want to miss a thing. So, guys, what's going on with PAX? <laughs> well, uh, if you haven't been listening for the past several weeks, shame for uh, shame for shame. Uh, but we are actually having a little get together again. So. Here's how it works. If you are going to PAX in about, uh, geez, two weeks at this, less than two weeks. Less than. Um, and if you are if you Stop. are arriving uh, a day before PAX begins, so I guess that's Thursday the 29th, we are having a gathering that consists of uh, many of our friends and uh, people that listen to the show and people that don't listen to the show and people that read our stuff and people that don't read our stuff. And but people that people. should listen to the show. Yeah, but there are people that we like and that like us, hopefully. And uh, it's a fun gathering with food and drinks and um, booty dancing. Really? Lots of, lots of booty dancing okay. is going to happen. But uh, in all seriousness, if you are going to be at PAX early, on the 29th and you feel like uh coming to our meetup is going to happen uh thursday the 29th at about 7 p.m at a secret location in order to find out that secret location shoot us an email we have the website or the website we can do that too (laughs) let's try that again it's just nap na triple p three dot nerd appropriate dot com n-a-p-p-p-3 dot nerd appropriate dot com there you, go. you just you can head over there you can uh fill out a really small form and we will um we will include you when we email out all the info and it's mobile yeah. compatible it is it's pretty awesome we're not going to use your your info for any nefarious purposes we're really just trying to get an idea of of how Correct. many people will show up yeah yeah 
So keep that in mind if you guys are coming to PAX. Other than that, um, you know, next week we'll talk specifically about all the the panels that we are taking part in and some of the things that we're going to be doing. So we'll kind of uh, you know ease 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 up on the PAX stuff this week, and next week we'll we'll slam you over the head with way too much information. But if you are going to be there early, definitely get in touch with us, and um, we'd like to see you. So that would be cool. So Correct. let's start talking about AFO, which yeah. is another convention that was here in Orlando. <laughs> Yes. It stands for Anime Festival Orlando, and I believe this was the 14th Anime Festival Orlando. Um, I'll start off by saying, had you heard of Anime Festival Orlando prior to this? No. I have not. Here? Neither have I. And I feel as though my ear is really to the ground when it comes to things like this. But um, I had not heard of Anime Festival Orlando. Um, it was at, uh, what hotel was it at? It was, was at the Renaissance Orlando near SeaWorld. Which is a really cool hotel. Like the the way the the con was set up, it was all inside the it was all inside the hotel. But when you think of hotels, sometimes you don't think of like resort style hotels like that uh, Orlando has a lot of. So the Renaissance had a giant atrium. Um, yeah. That you know was I don't know maybe. 20 I was telling Scott it actually used to be a real like a huge bird cage. Oh, the really? atrium was yeah, and uh, not the whole middle ground, but like where that. Where that middle wood thing was in the middle, middle wood. I'm gonna say middle, middle, middle. Yeah, uh, it was. Uh, it was this big, like I'm pretty sure it's the right hotel. It used to be a big, like bird area, and because all the balconies face in, you could sit on your balcony and like watch the birds and stuff outside. It was kind of, it was kind of cool. I went there when I was really young with my oh. dad. But then they turned it into a bar. They did turn it into uh, a bar. <laughs> of course, everything's gonna be turned into a bar. Yeah. So I think in all in all honesty, I really thought the location was kind of cool. Um, mm-hmm. you know, for a convention of that size. And I would say just like eyeballing it, maybe about 5,000 people, if that... Yeah, I don't know. I think bigger than I expected, honestly. Yeah, I, I did not expected. expect it to be that many people, but yeah. uh, but not crowded by any means, not, not yeah. overpacked. 5,000 people and 200 parking spaces. Yeah, yeah that was, parking was a nightmare. Yeah, parking was really bad. Um, parking was no fun, but no one wants to hear about that. We had to park on the grass and... It was no no fun, but anyway. So what um, did we do? Why did we go? So we went mainly because um, friend of the podcast, uh, Allie Hillis, was going to be there, and she had a number of different panels, and uh, we thought we'd go and say hi and, and you know kind of show our support for Allie Hillis, who of course we are big fans of, and um, she's always been good to us. So we kind of wanted to show show our love, and of course Jennifer Hale was there as well. Um, you know, voice of Commander Shepard. She was there also speaking at a number of panels. And um, to be honest, I was just really curious uh, about the convention itself because I was thinking, you know, I if this is the 14th one, they have to be doing something right. You know, even though yeah, for sure. anime, like I was, when I was like 16, I was a huge anime fan. Uh, but this was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, I, I don't really watch anime too much anymore. But I, I totally respect it as an art form, and and think there are probably you know a number of really incredible, um, really incredible pieces of anime out there that I you know unfortunately don't really know too much about anymore. So I kind of wanted to go and see what the community was like because, like Matt said earlier, it is very different from what we we're used to covering and different from what we we're used to seeing. So um, it was a. Uh... So cool. Yeah, I agree. There was a point, I think, where I was looking at the schedule and I was like, so we're going to Allie Hillis, Jennifer Hale, and then this Mass Effect thing, right? And everybody's like, yeah. And I'm like, good, because I don't know what anything else is on yes. this list. Like, I thought I was pretty in touch with anime still. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm hip. I'm a hip <laughs> dude with the kids. And uh, 
I didn't. I don't know what any of those shows are anymore. Like the only thing I predicted was Naruto, and there was there was actually not as much Naruto as I predicted there would be. Yeah. So. Naruto headbands are so five years ago. I know. I'm not in touch <laughs> with the kids or hip at all. I feel like there was some very interesting uh, subcultures of the anime convention crowd. There were like rave kids there. With the rave kids, yeah. Not yeah. just rave, but like it's a very specific like techno, like anime techno. Like it's it's very like like glitchy and almost ADD sounding when yeah, you hear super it. super fast, right? Super You're fast. Just, like, and like In the corner, like super flailing around. It's, pro- it's probably as close as you'd get to like industrial, like old, like 90s industrial without That's what it the, actually being they're out, Like There were some people that were like dressed in rave gear and it reminded me of like that 90s, like with the tubing in the hair and the, yeah, yeah. the threads. And, yeah. The pants, all the buckles hanging off. <laughs> yeah. There's that ton of cosplay, man. Ton oh, yeah. There's of a lot cosplay. of good cosplay too. A lot of people wouldn't, you did some really incredible stuff. My wife is like terrified of masks though. Yeah. There was one costume that was like super popular this year and it just looked, it almost looked like a, an even scarier version of the scream mask. It's just like a white face with like black eye holes, you know, just, yeah. And she kept like looking around and like, she'd see like someone standing in the corner looking at her with like just the white face and the black eye holes. So she kept like hiding from it. But, um, a lot of great cosplay. Do you guys feel like, uh, you know, we we all just went dressed as you know as we normally do, and I feel like in what we were wearing, I felt like we were more out of place than anybody else. Oh yeah, yeah. At this we, at this con. Yeah. yeah, 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 definitely. I felt like I told I told you guys in the way I'm like we're gonna be the oldest people here, and I'm gonna feel like a fucking dad. I really <laughs> thought there'd be more <laughs> old people, like not old. Well, kind of. I actually thought it'd be a, a scale of like like young, not our age, or old. <laughs> like, oh both both ends yeah of the like spectrum. i thought we'd be on two spectrums and we were going to be in the middle of it uh but it was super young yeah a lot of, a lot of teenagers a lot of people in their 20s but the and i will say afo had one interesting panel that we heard the our intro friend talk about uh, at one of the panels which was like the you're gonna go see what i think is what they titled it and oh yeah it was just about like what is family friendly and what is age appropriate like in the different panels there so that the parents could go first thing in the morning and then know what their kid was going to for the rest of the day. I actually thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, that that like is a unique way to to inform a group that might otherwise not be uh super aware of what their kid is into or going to see, you know. Yeah, I thought that was a good idea. Um I also thought it was funny there was a I wanted to bring up that there was a moment in at the beginning of the Allie Hillis panel. She she saw us and she was like, "Oh, hey!" And then she was yeah. like, "She was like, oh, nerd appropriates here. Who listens to nerd appropriate?" And like, we were too afraid to look around. We didn't look. We were, were sitting sure in the no front one. of the room, and uh, I did not look back. I don't think anybody put their hand up. It's like oh, yeah. we said, that was the wrong. That was the wrong crowd. <laughs> but and it was great of her to call us out. It was really awesome for her. We're to, pretty like, popular in South Africa. Say, I've learned. Say, so hey, if this but... if this panel was happening in South Africa, the entire place would raise their hand. <laughs> that but being do... said, we did yeah. see some people in N seven gear who like yeah. kindred spirits. Like we knew, like it was a uh... great Ashley. Uh, well, yeah, N seven. There's the people in front of us in N seven gear, and then we had great cosplay behind us too with with uh, yeah, yeah. Ashley and. Oh uh, yeah, there was a great Garris. Yeah, Garris. Yeah. So we do have a couple shout outs because it was it was super flattering. Um, there was a, a listener um, in, sitting in front of us who turned around and asked if we were nerd appropriate. And that was at uh, Allison three three eighty eight on Twitter. And she's super cool. She's actually an English teacher. Yeah. Who listens to the show and was, you know, telling she was telling me that she tells her uh, she tells her kids that 
C teachers can be cool. Uh, <laughs> oh, there you uh, go. Yeah, so that was That's really awesome. flattering, and she was super sweet. So shout out to Allison. And then um, longtime listener and longtime follower Jen Jarvis was there, and we got to meet yeah. her for the very first time. That's uh, at Hokey98JJ on Twitter, and she was there, who I guess flew in from D.C. Yeah, just, to, awesome. uh, just to come to the show. So it was great to meet them. And, it really was. You know, it was uh, it's always really uh, super flattering and nice to to meet people that actually, you know, kind of appreciate what we do. So thank you guys very, very much. Yeah. And Otherwise, uh, the, the I thought the con was everybody was really nice and was yeah. kind of like a very, uh, very fun atmosphere. And um, I think there was only maybe one incident that Ash had early in the. Uh... <laughs> oh, jeez! <laughs> the greatest, the greatest thing I've ever seen happen. Ash, I think, almost punched a kid. It was amazing. It was a poor kid. Okay, so I have a thing, and my thing is I, I guess because I come from an Italian family, I hate when people point at me. Like I hate when people point at me, like aggressively, you know, like you go over there. And so we're trying to figure out where to go, and there's like no all we're sign. trying to do is purchase tickets. Yeah, we're trying Literally, to get we're in, trying right? To get in. <laughs> yeah. And there's some some doofy kid with like giant headphones on, and like you know I don't even know what he's wearing. It was some doofy kid like guarding some area. And I kind of walked past him because I was trying to find out where to buy a ticket. And he didn't say anything to me. He just pointed at me and then pointed in the other direction. I'm he was kind of like swiping you out of the way. He's like, too. this way. Yeah, like, eh. He like finger waggled me. And I was like grinning, but my grin was out of like fury. Yes. Like, <laughs> I was so ready to just like grab his headphones and throw them on the ground and give him a wedgie and like <laughs> run away. I, I just, the only the only credit I give him, and this is a thing we say about Comic Con and PAX too. Well, not as much PAX. I think PAX is a little more well organized. But yeah. generally, the volunteers who are just like in a certain spot or doing something, like the thing I always say is they they have one thing to do. You know, like they they only they only know that they're like my job is to sit here and not let anyone come in without a blue wristband. And it's like because if you ask them about anything else, they're like, oh, uh, you're like, where do you get tickets? They're like. Oh God! Uh, <laughs> you go. I think. I think you go back that, and you're like, "Do you work here? Like, what is happening?" Yeah. And uh, yeah, he he definitely his job was sit here, don't make noise, and just make sure no one walks in without a wristband or a badge. Yeah, definitely. I'll tell you what, though. Like after that, shout out to the uh, enforcers at PAX because they are awesome. They are like, awesome. I say now, it every time. Now yeah. that I know what the difference is, you know, now that I've seen the difference. Yeah, yeah PAX incredible. really is like one of the most well-organized conventions that I've gone to because it's just like everybody there knows what is going on in the convention that works there. You know, Every, like they, they literally have meetings where they I think they tell all the enforcers like, here's where this is happening. Here's where this is happening. Keep a map on you. Know to do this. Like, you know, keep people happy. Don't don't be a jerk like that kind of stuff. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of conventions don't have that. So. And that being said, everyone else who was volunteering there was very nice, with the exception yeah. maybe of this one kid who <laughs> thought he uh, ran the business. But press, pretty fun. press probably the only button that I have. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm a pretty patient dude, but just don't don't do that to me. <laughs> Should we? Do we need to mention anything about the tunnel? Uh, I mean, okay. So every convention has a stinky area. There was a really. <laughs> especially stinky area at this convention because it's florida it's summer 
and that the light was literally shining through this like thick window, you know, and like there's like all these like cosplayers dancing in this one area and the sight sun's kind of shining down on them. And you just walk in this tunnel and you're like, wow, I am like in a human's armpit right now. (laughs) It was like Like, baking the smell. It was incredible. (laughs) It was like, it was just so intense. Uh, Oh, man. It was pretty. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. Uh, yeah, I don't I know. Was, I mean, it was, it was, was cool. It was experience. like, it's like, yeah, yeah. It's a thing we're not super into, and we went and, and to see the things we wanted to see, and then we kind of hung out um, because we missed one of the panels we wanted to get into because we had to eat. I think we would all mur- would have oh, yeah. murdered each other at some point if we hadn't eaten. So sure, we we ate, and then uh, yeah, it was, it was a it was a good 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 time though. We we weren't there super long. Yeah. We were there like ten to five or six yeah. or something. And uh, the panels were both great, so we we stayed yeah. for the um, the Ali Hillis and the Jennifer Hale panels, and they were both incredible. Um, which they, which uh, there's like a positive and a negative to them, and not because of them at all. Like they were both amazing at pulling it off. Yeah, but, like they're not moderated, right? So they just they would literally just like the guests would just walk in, <laughs> take the microphone, nowhere, take the microphone, and then just sit down and just like talk to the audience. I guess in whatever manner the guest felt like doing it. So like. They, Allie and and Jennifer both said like, oh, you know, let's just do questions. I don't really, there's nothing I really want to just talk about. So let's, you guys just start asking questions. Let me answer them, which worked out great and and ended up being really awesome. But I have to imagine that if it was like maybe a, a lesser known person or somebody who wasn't like maybe like a first a, convention, like voice actors yeah. first convention, yeah, like what what like the hell? That I feel like they would just drown. They'd just be like, so. Yeah, what are y'all doing, everybody? You know, like, like, how do you handle that? It's like a weird thing to walk into. Yeah, I think you know there is something to be said for unmoderated panels, but I think the majority of them should be moderated. There needs to be some sort of structure and some kind of flow to it because you're not only there to to experience the person speaking, but you're there to like you're there to enjoy yourself. If you're wit- yeah. if you're there to witness a panel, you want it to be an experience right mm-hmm. so it's it's up to a moderator or someone to actually structure that panel so it's fun for everyone in the room and like and i mean props to jennifer hale and ali hillis though because like amazing like pulled it off very well we're super like it, it was enthralling to watch and it was it was fun and like engaging and and they were they were really great at just walking in and, and running the show kind of with the audience so yeah, yeah like, i will it, say it, it, i'll say something useful um in that <laughs> whoa 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 what are you implying <laughs> i'm saying that i haven't said anything useful about this convention i've just been <laughs> just saying weird things like weird observations but i will mention that um like if anyone has an opportunity to go to one of these like smaller conventions like in their local area and there's somebody that you want to see there this is like a great place for maybe like a more intimate setting because the you know, the room wasn't packed by any means. We didn't wait in a line to get to the panels. We did get there early, so we were but early, like a half an hour early. So we were able to sit like in the front row, like just feet away from these people that, you know, I think if, if you were to go see them speak somewhere else, you'd probably be in a larger room with maybe not as, as close access. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I explain absolutely. that correctly. Absolutely. Yeah. And plus I've just discovered like and I, I know you guys are kinda like this too, conventions are just fun. Like they're just fun. I mean, granted they can be expensive, but like seeing neat, you know, interesting people, seeing all the costumes, seeing all the energy, it's just it's a it's a great experience. And you know, I'll I'll go to any convention, you know, yeah. for the most part. Yeah. Anything so, else on this convention? No, definitely. You know, check it out if you if you're into anime. Go next year. I'm sure they'll do it again next year. So we'll we'll keep you guys up to date. 
So uh, I want to know if you guys, you guys are iPhone users. Yeah. I'm soon to probably be an iPhone user. Mm-hmm. Do you guys want a gold iPhone 5S? <laughs> Meaning, is it made of gold? It's not literally gold. You asked okay. this before. They're not going to gold plate your iPhone for you, but it looks okay. like it's gold. It's it's colored in a a, a champagne gold, if you will. Oh, but it's man. glittery. It's metallic. It is it is metal. Why gold. is this happening? That's a horrible thing. I think this is not <laughs> a thing for us. You know. So yeah, interesting. Gizmodo mentions that. Gizmodo put up an article about why this would happen because everybody's reaction is like that is the most hideous thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, right, but the people reading Gizmodo are not the people that are going to want this phone, you know? No. Um, I will say this. There are two things. One that I thought of. I've actually seen one before. Um, there was a company that would gold plate your iPhone for you okay. if you were like a super douchebag. And I saw it when I was working in New York, I saw a super douchebag at, at like Starbucks with his gold plated iPhone. And I was trying to get a picture of it just to be like, look how douchey this dude is. And I couldn't. But. That's pretty rare, right? Now these are this is like mass production gold color. The point Gizmodo makes is that this is a play for China. I guess they think that this is a draw for foreign countries, where there there could be something said to the status of having a gold. Really? Phone. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's not like gold. It's just kind of gold, like. Color. It's still a status, though, right? Oh, okay. I mean, iPhones are a status already. Whether they're not as much in America anymore because they've kind of become like. Like degrees, right? Like everybody's freaking got one now, but it's horrible. <laughs> Come on, uh, <laughs> uh, it's but true. <laughs> it's true. I mean, it's it's like you know, uh, but uh, that's why Scott's getting his doctorate. It's like, <laughs> yeah, he's like, it's the only way I can differentiate myself. Um, uh, but a gold iPhone, I think, is is that much more of like a like a status thing. You don't even think maybe getting one ironically like would be a reason to get one. Could you really? How ironic? Because you tie yourself to that thing for two years. No, not right? me. You gotta Certainly be really, not me, but the somebody, joke. <laughs> somebody, I'm not really me. The iPhone jokes, guys. I'm gonna get a gold iPhone. Be dazzled for the, for the comedy. <laughs> yeah, for the comedy. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. See, you know wow. what I'm talking about. This guy knows what I'm talking uh, about. Man. But anyways, apparently it's gonna September. I'm supposed to make an announcement on the 10th, right? Yeah, September 10th. 10th. Is that when it is? The 10th is when they're doing the Apple, the next announcement for the iPhone. Everybody's assuming it's the <laughs> iPhone 5S. And there's also rumored uh, a cheap model that's going to come out too, like, a, a, like an affordable one, which is also a play for, for the foreign market. So Let me tell you, here's, like, here's something like that a, that a nerd might do with a gold iPhone. You could get a, uh, a Triforce engraved on the back of it, right? There you go, Scott. Scott. Yeah. Because it's about that color. It's kind of got that gold uh, Zelda cartridge color. Yeah. Yeah, sure. It's a brilliant idea. Yeah. Do it, Scott. He's maybe thinking like, about it. I see him. He's scratching. He's like, he's, he's like mm, oh, man, idea. I could do this. I could be like the coolest kid in school. <laughs> you, can get, you can get gold member chiseled into the back of it. He'll walk, like around, he'll walk around packs with his, with his DS out to get his passes, street passes and his Triforce phone. Like, what's up, everybody? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, I think there is a gold DS I don't think there's a 3DS. Oh, man. You would just have groupies, Scott. If you did that, you would just it would be like the Pied Piper. <laughs> uh, okay. Let's move on. <laughs> so Xbox pre-GDC came out and said, hey, guess what, guys? We're going to give you 50 titles for the Xbox One for free. No. <laughs> yeah, right. That'd be amazing. Um, this is their not... Uh, this is not day one release list, but this is their... 
announced list of games for the Xbox One. There's 50 games. I'm not going to read them all, but uh, did you guys look through this at all? Did you see did. Did you see anything new, interesting that you that you're like, oh, uh, I mean, you know, obviously Titan Falls at the very top of my list, mm-hmm. but you're gonna have to wait for that. Yeah, I'm gonna have to wait for that. I, to be honest, like the titles that I'm most excited about are, are coming out for uh, both the. 360 and the xbox one so i'm excited for assassin's creed i'm excited for gta 5 especially with that new multiplayer stuff that they just announced um but i mean you know i'm going to be one of those people that just doesn't get it on 360 no matter how badly they want me to do that so i'm just gonna you know go ahead and wait yeah so we should say there are 19 uh xbox one exclusive games listed here oh that's awesome which is a pretty hefty number. They say platform exclusives or exclusively first on Xbox. But well, I mean that's just a timed release thing essentially. Yeah, splitting hairs, but for me, I think it's uh Quantum Break I'm interested in because I'm a I'm a Remedy fan. That Max Payne and Alan Wake. I love the shit out of Alan Wake. Um I you do. Yeah. I got to say I'm I'm excited, still excited for the Plants vs Zombies Garden Warfare exclusive. Yes. I think that's going to be fun. And then, of course, you know... I thought Sunset Overdrive looked pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Sunset Over- Overdrive looks incredible. Not an exclusive, but buried in this list is Star Wars Battlefront from DICE, which yeah. that game practically oh, yeah. makes itself. It'll be great. Definitely. The Witcher that's 3, crazy. did you guys see there was a Witcher a 3 video right now. trailer on the Xbox yeah. right now? Is it uh, is it cinematic or is it in-game stuff? Uh, it's a uh, cinematic, but it's yeah. a good cinematic. Cinematics. I know. And, uh, they don't do those anymore. I don't know. It's like, uh, and the, uh, <laughs> the division too. I'm oh yeah. Yeah. I'm excited guys. I think I'm, I'm just excited because shit hasn't come out. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm even going to get, I'm going to get connect sports rivals, man. Cause I want to play some next gen connect games. Come on. Come on. Come on. Oh. Fantasia music evolved. Fantasia Let me get that. Harmonics. Yeah. Yeah. Stoked. Looks good. I mean, the the so, list looks pretty awesome. So I think, uh, you know, and I think the encouraging thing is that even the non-exclusives like Division and Thief and Witcher are awesome titles as well. So it's like, I think we're all going to be very lucky. We're going to have some good gaming in 2014. Mm-hmm. And I'm your old-timey radio announcer <laughs> all of a sudden. <laughs> my, I guess my real concern is what's going to be available at launch. But, I mean, you know, considering that you're going to have Rise and... You know, probably uh, Watch Dogs and Assassin's Creed Four, like right off the bat, that'll probably occupy a lot of your time while you're waiting for other things to come out. I think right is another release. Got some stuff like Project Spark, stuff like that. I think it'll be cool. But you can watch TV. It'll be pretty cool. You gonna watch TV? I am gonna watch TV. Take that. (laughs) TV. (laughs) TV. Price is right. I'm gonna watch the Price is Right. All right, we'll be back with some more reviews and some, some more, more discussions. And shenanigans. And some more shenanigans. So this weekend, uh, Kick-Ass 2 came out, and yes. I went and saw it. Um, so I have good news for you guys. It was fucking awesome. Really? 
I really, really liked it. So I guess I should I should explain. Um, my wife and I we love the first movie. Um, we actually watched Kick Ass One on Blu-ray on Friday, just to kind of like refresh our memories because I don't think I had seen it since the theater. And um, you know, I'd read the comics, and uh, uh, I'm a big fan of like that universe that they created. And I wasn't really expecting much from Kick-Ass 2 just because I, I had heard mixed things. I heard from a lot of different reviewers that, you know, mm. that it wasn't great. I hadn't really read any reviews because I tried not to do that before I, I watched stuff myself because I don't want to, you know, get tainted. Mm-hmm. But I had a, re- a, a lot of fun with it. It's all about the exploration of, like, kind of discovering who you are. Um, it, it takes place, and I'm not going to say it's is spoiler-free, but it takes place a couple years um after the events of the first kick-ass film. So you have uh, Christopher Mintz-Plass's character who's kind of going through a lot and trying to discover who he is after the, the death of his father in the first kick-ass film, hopefully, which you've seen. Um, and, I think we're free of spoiler territory okay, in that good, movie now. Good, And, of course, you have um, the, the, the... I can't remember the, the character's name, but you have kick-ass himself who's kind of retired from being a superhero who's trying to go back to be being a normal person because let's face it like he wasn't ever really that great of superhero anyway he just kind of inspired a lot of other superheroes um probably to be honest the best part about kick-ass 2 was chloe grace moretz who was just incredible as hit girl girl in the first film and she kind of is the opposite end of the spectrum. Like she knows nothing else other than being hit girl. And it's about her now her stepfather, who was her big daddy's old partner, trying to um, get her into a normal sort of a normal universe. Right. Wants her to go to high school, wants to, her to experience all the things that a normal girl should experience. So he's trying to make her stop being hit girl no matter what. And you get to kind of, you know, f- see what it would be like for someone who is like this trained assassin to try and acclimate themselves to high school life. Hmm. And needless to say, she, you know, not, it's not really a spoiler. She doesn't do a great job of of becoming a normal high schooler. It's just not really in her DNA. Um, The film is all about building a super team, which I thought was just awesome. Uh, Events happen that kind of drive kick ass to join a superhero team. Uh, Jim Carrey is on the team as, um, God, what the hell is this character's name? I'm going to have the IMDb in a second. But anyway, Jim Carrey's character is incredible. He plays it completely straight. He doesn't have a single funny line in the movie. Colonel Stars and Stripes. Thank you. Colonel Stars and Stripes. And he's awesome. He's like an ex-mob enforcer who found God. And now he's a born-again Christian superhero. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, he leads the superhero team that's going to try and, you know, and fix the city. And um, there were elements of it. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that one documentary that's on Netflix called, I think, Superheroes. Um, that's about real life superheroes. Did you guys ever see that? The guys that no, dress up. You've, you've told me about it, but I haven't seen it. It's it's one of my favorite documentaries that came out last year. But there are a couple characters that I really feel like are plucked directly from that documentary that are now in this film as superheroes on the team. Like one example, wow. is, uh, there's a couple parents that are that that child got kidnapped and went missing many many years ago and so their superhero costumes are like missing posters that they wear on their shirts of their their missing child and then they just wear masks and they run around with like flyers like that's <laughs> that's, that's pretty much it right and she okay. has like she has a brick in her purse so i mean it's ridiculous and it's comedic but i think the relationship that develops between all the characters on this team it felt really realistic to me and um i really liked it a lot and then of course christopher mintz platt 
Um, he kind of goes crazy after the death of his dad in the first film, and he builds an, uh, an army of supervillains. And so you get to see this, you know, this army of superheroes and this army of supervillains kind of go at it. Um, it's incredibly violent. It's incredibly funny. Um, I don't, I won't spoil anything, but there is a device that is used in the film that actually um, exists in the real world, as far as I understand, that um, was developed by DARPA. That if you actually touch some with it, it induces uh, projectile vomit, diarrhea. Okay. This this device is used a couple times in the film <laughs> to great effect. <laughs> But uh, it's great, and you know you get to see Chloe Grace Moretz kind of do her thing as Hit Girl. Um, Kick Ass uh, is is great, and um, I, I had a great time. I laughed. The action scenes were great. Some of the choreography was awesome. Um, director Matthew Vaughn didn't do this one, but uh, I can't recall who did this one. But he did a Jeff Wadlow. Thank you, Jeff Wadlow. He did great. Um, I was I'm your IMDb source right now. Thank you. Um, <laughs> wasn't expecting to like it as much as I did. Uh, but I Whoa. really recommend it. So check it out. He's rumored to be attached to an X-Force movie in 2016. Good for him. He did a really great job. I mean, there's only one scene where there was like some kind of spotty green screen work. And that kind of dragged me out of it for a few minutes. But all the fight scenes were, were were great. I mean, and there's some really like long, like there's a fight with Hit Girl and another character that um called Mother Russia, who is like a seven foot tall russian like super destroyer female and the two of them fight for like 10 minutes straight and it's all just brilliantly done so really awesome it's a lot of fun so definitely check it out uh scott yes tell us about adara uh with our friend ali hillis yeah so uh we mentioned it before but adara is a game it was actually one of the launch titles for windows 8 um when it came out on the surface i guess and on the pc as well but um, I think if you have a Windows 8 computer, it comes pre-installed with the first episode of Adara for free. Um, and then when we had uh, Ali Hillis on for episode 101, she mentioned that she was um, the voice actor for the main character in the game, who is Jane Sinclair. So um, it seems like, I don't know what sort of the general response to the game is, but there sort of has been a community that is built up around this game and people were kind of... Um, clamoring for more and providing their feedback into what they liked and didn't like about the uh, the way it's an episodic um, sort of puzzle game in the old school style of a game like Shivers or Mist or something like that. But it uses um, new technology to sort of augment that experience. So using tablet, touchscreen, stuff like that. So um, the company developing the game, I think was I think it was Hitpoint. Um, they made uh, episode five, which is the season finale, sort of like a much larger episode than they had planned. Um, <clears throat> they released it as sort of a collector's edition, which was cool because if you've purchased all of the other episodes prior, like you could actually get this one at a discount, which was nice. Um, and surprising too, that, you know, they would allow you to do that considering I think most games would just be like, oh yeah, now there's a collector's edition, still 20 bucks, you know, <laughs> like, sorry about right. that. Um but yeah, this game is really good. So I just wanted to mention it again. And I think they're going to, it seems like depending on what the response for this game is, they will maybe do a season two, but it's kind of nice to sit down with a sort of puzzle adventure, like more of like a casual experience where um, this like narrative kind of frames like why all these puzzles exist and what you're kind of doing in the game and the narrative is is pretty interesting too on a on a casual level and i think it kind of scratches 
a lot of different itches at the same time in terms of being casual, but not too like mind numbing. There's something to sort of keep you engaged with it. And, and Allie does a great job and she mentioned it on the interview, but you can kind of tell that they sort of her, the way that she voices the dialogue sort of opens up as she goes through the episodes. Cause I think she was recording continuously as new episodes were released. So um, yeah, that's Adara. Episode five is out. I think you can pick up the whole thing for like somewhere between 20 and 30 bucks. But, um, you know, it's like, I would say it's maybe like, I don't know, eight to 10 hours, depending on how fast you play. And, uh, it's a lot of fun. So if you have a windows eight machine or a windows eight tablet, check out Adara. Cool. With Allie Hillis. I will definitely, I need to get all of them when they're all ready to go and just play, play through it all. It's fun. And you, I know that you don't really care for puzzles, yeah, but I think that this game would be uh, interesting to you just because, like I said, you know, I've made fun of like old kind of puzzle games in the past, like adventure games where it's like nonsensical, like you pick up like a tomato and you're like, what do I do with this? And it's like, oh, don't you know, you're supposed to give it to the security guard. And you're like, that yeah. makes no sense at all. Um, this game is not like that. So I think that imposing that kind of structure on a game like this makes it sort of like an overall better game in terms of connecting the narrative with what you're actually doing oh that's cool i like that a lot yeah it's always good when it actually makes sense you know yeah like i i made fun when i reviewed gone home i made fun of gem in the eye puzzles because yes like i hopefully we're past the day and age where that's normal and you just have to find a gem put it in the eye and then a fucking panel <laughs> opens and you're like why did that happen like who built this magnificent <laughs> device yeah <laughs> like why is that a thing Harkens uh, back to like the LucasArts days, the Gemini yeah, Eye puzzles. Absolutely. Yeah. That so you played cool. Gone Home. Yeah. So uh, I'll say this ahead of time. This is going to be completely spoiler free because um, I want both of you guys to play it at, at some point. Um, I'll say the game is, is short. You can beat it in probably under three hours. So I beat it in one single sitting. I think I even did it like before my wife woke up on Saturday morning. I just kind of blew through it. All right. Um, so a little bit about the game. Uh, it's done by a company based out of Portland called the Fulbright Company. And these are vets from a number of games. But the the main lead on it actually was uh, the lead designer on Minerva's Den, which was the DLC for um, for Bioshock 2. So he came up with Minerva's Den. Minerva's Den got reviewed very, very highly. And he kind of took his experiences from uh, making Minerva's Den and kind of used some of those elements in Gone Home. Um I guess the easiest way for me to describe the game, it is an adventure game, but it's an adventure game without any puzzles, which for me was awesome. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I had no idea what the game was when I downloaded it and when I started playing it. And so the game kind of starts off with this ominous, ominous splash screen of a house with only a single light on and it's kind of dark, dark outside. And then when you actually load the game up, you're standing outside on a porch and you just arrive at this house and there's a note on the door, and I'll just go ahead and read the note because it's kind of creepy. Um, the note says, Katie, I'm sorry I can't be there to see you, but it's impossible. Please don't go digging around trying to find out where I am. I don't want anyone to know. Uh, we'll see each other. We may see each other again someday. Don't be worried. I love you. Sam. Hello. And that's really the only note that you get. So you show up, and it's raining outside, and there's thunder booming. There's only like dim lights, and you show up at this old, old house, and there's this note on the door that uh, appears to be from your sister. And from there, you just explore. You, you try and find out you know, where this person is, um, 
where everybody else is. You kind of go through the house and see what there is to see. Um, I can't, dude. I I was terrified playing really? of this game because it, I didn't know what it was about. I didn't know because I, I didn't read any reviews. So I'm like, well, this is a, is this a zombie game? Is it a ghost like, game? Jump scares? Yeah. It, are there jump scares? Are there monsters? So oh. I, I spent the first hour of the game literally just like staring at the screen. And like one of the main mechanics of the game is just turning lights on in rooms. Like you'll get into a new room that'll be pitch black, and you're like, "Fuck! Like, what is in here?" So you like kind of stumble around and look for a light switch and turn the light on, and you know, and then be able to kind of see a little bit better and explore a little bit. Oh more. my god! But the thing that's really remarkable about this game is it's one of the only games I've ever played where you can interact with everything. So let's say you go into a dining room. No, let's say you go into a bedroom. There'll be dressers. You can open every single dresser drawer and pick up. A number of things inside the drawers and, and pick them up and flip them around and read what's on them right what? so you'll go and like let's say you'll find an old note that somebody wrote someone else in high school you'll be able to read it and see what they wrote to one another in actual handwriting so everything's all handwritten okay uh, you can take trash out of the trash cans and uncrumple it and and see what was like crumpled up and in the trash can oh and you're trying to unravel this mystery of what's going on in this house as you explore it um, it was so well done. The music is brilliant. The voice acting is brilliant. Tonally, it's amazing. I can't tell you what it's about. I can't sure. tell you what the, the theme of the game is. I just have to tell you to play it, and I think you will probably uh, really enjoy the experience. So the game's called Go- Gone Home, and it's by Fulbright. It's on Steam now. Um, I want to say it's uh, 20 bucks. It was on sale this weekend for like 17 uh, Definitely worth it. Graphically, it's really, really pretty. Uh, play it with the lights down, a good pair of headphones, and uh, next week we'll maybe do a spoiler review after you guys play it. We can talk about the actual themes and stuff. Nice. Alrighty. That's awesome. I think you guys will like it. So, um, Scott, are we going to talk about open world everything? Yeah. I um, it kind of I kind of realized something um, with the – have you guys been following the the free games with gold that's been ha- going on right now? Yes. Yes. So I kind of noticed that with the exception of Defense Grid, which I think was like a last-minute substitution for something else, all of the other games have been open-world games, right? So uh, Dead Rising 2, yeah. uh, Assassin's Creed 2. I'm really uh, hoping you're just going to stop at some point and go, what's up with that? <laughs> I kind of am. <laughs> and like, what was the other one? What There was... Uh, um, it was Assassin's Creed 2, Crackdown. Oh, and Crackdown. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so it kind of got me thinking, I wonder, like, maybe this is just a conspiracy theorist in me, but, like, I kind of wonder if this is supposed to be maybe getting people primed for the next generation, because like I feel like... Ground. Huh? Like training ground for... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, because it definitely seems like games. a lot of the selling points of of these next generation games that we've heard about so far at E3 is, like, this whole idea of, like, you can go anywhere you want, you know, like, The Witcher and... Uh, Destiny and Watch Dogs and Assassin's Creed, like they're all, I feel like the next generation, like that's like the selling point now, which is like, you can go anywhere you want, you know? Yeah. And it's, well, I think, I think, I mean, it's kind of amazing we've gotten to that point where open worlds exist in games. I mean, mm-hmm. that's remarkable. But, you know, there, I think there's always going to be the argument, like, uh, does that make a game better? Does, does size really matter? <laughs> yeah. And I think, I, mean, I think that maybe we are supposed to be trying to be confusing the two. You know, I feel like we are led to think that open world means better game. Like, 
as well, a checklist item, you know? I think this leads, so this to me ties into something I, I had happened to me this weekend that I'm not going to tell the full story on or even most of it because it was ridiculous. But the basis of the conversation was around games being art. And um, one of the points that got brought up that I thought was really interesting and, and when I tie it to the notion of games, I think it's the exact same concept is that the internet has kind of ruined everything, right? It's giving you access to everything at any point in time whenever you want it in your life. So, mm-hmm. so in order for these games or these movies is what they were talking about, movies have then been dumbed down to the point that if you want to make a $200 million summer flick, it's got to be like a brainless $200. Sum. Like Art movies don't necessarily come out at the budget or time or with the expected sales that most movies come out and are requiring now, right? So mm-hmm. a movie might cost $60 million to $100 million, even for like a rom-com. And then there's another $50 million thrown in for, for marketing and, and press and all that. And then they've got to now make that back in theaters. So it's kind of like lowest common denominator all the time because they can't sell these high, high concept pieces. And I'm starting to think about games, and I think we're hitting the same point. We've got games that cost millions upon millions of dollars to make. And there's no publisher out there that's going to take a bet on a gone home as an artistic move, they're going to open world, uh, some kind of multiplayer, uh, a shooter mechanic, uh, easy to find big bosses, and maybe a pu- depending on what kind of game, maybe you'll do puzzles or you'll do some like co-op. Sure. Like, it'll be like one or the other, and then that's how everything will run from there on out because that's what you know EA requires to make a bottom line, mm-hmm. or that's what Activision requires. It's not EA is not singled out. I'm just saying that like I think we're starting to see that like these are the tent poles for a game to be a big game. Mm-hmm. to get that kind of budget it's mm-hmm. kind of weird i think it's like a little strange like how that's how that's shaken out you know no i agree i mean it i don't know i mean i think it, it's just because like matt was saying i think it's because statistically they've been selling very well i think it's it's i think it's a huge trend i think mm-hmm. if if these major studios weren't sinking so much money into open world i don't think they would be as popular you know i mean it's just all about money in the end I don't think they necessarily make a better game either. I mean, there are a lot of open worlds that have been, frankly, pretty boring. I mean, mm-hmm. like, I don't want to name any names, but there are many open world games, like large RPGs and stuff, that I'm just like, do I really have to fucking walk all the way over there to accomplish this goal? Because it's yeah. not fun anymore. You know, maybe it was yeah. fun the first time, but I don't want to have to do it over and over again. I don't want to have to ride my horse across fucking Mexico for the 85th time <laughs> in order to deliver a prostitute. I thought, I thought you were going to single any games out. Well, we, that we could be the, any game. You know, Rockstar Scott, doesn't involve horses in Mexico. <laughs> Rockstar has no idea we exist. Um, yeah, I agree. It, it, but I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing either. I think it can be done in a creative way. I think that if it's a, like, I don't necessarily think this is how this game is going to be. But if it's a game like Watch Dogs, it could be interesting if it was moderately persistent when you're affecting this open world that you're walking around in. You know, like. There, there's ideas that I think can be drawn from that that system that could be pretty amazing. I think the the division looks like a pretty good open world game, right? Where you're holding co- yeah. you're holding pieces and you're doing and it affects things around you and like that's what's interesting about open world, not the fact that I can walk around and open. That is boring to me, and that's what a lot of games I think end up doing. It's like, oh, now travel back across the country, and you're like, why? Because uh, I need you to go over there, clearly for. Uh, uh, breakfast. And you're yeah. like, I don't like <laughs> this is stupid. I don't want to keep walking across the place. And I feel yeah. like these games sort of in that same sense sort of like have this 
they take more time to play. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. You know, so if every game that comes out for next gen, or at least these humongous ones, are all going to be, you know, like open world, persistent, play forever, play with your friends. Well, it's like, you know, if two of us are playing one game or two are playing the other, like how are we supposed to have this like massive right. experience? And which one are we going to play for 70 hours, 200 hours? You know, like mm-hmm. maybe I'll just buy one game instead of like, I'd rather play. I think there, I would like to see a balance. That's what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. The only one I can think of right now is like Halo. Or gears. Like I mean, like two. even Mass Effect is sort of like has this appearance of being open world, but it's very structured in mm, terms of what yeah. you're doing, and it it lends itself to a great narrative experience, which you don't always get when the game is like completely open world, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a negative that I found lately, uh, recently, that um, I wasn't even thinking about before this, but I'd been playing Assassin's Creed uh, Revelations. Mm-hmm. Is that one of the titles? That's I believe one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I haven't been completely uh, enthralled by it, so I'm not playing it constantly and I'll walk away from it. And sometimes I'll walk away and literally play a whole other game and then come back and play it. And the aspect of how they handle the open world has become nothing but a confusion. So I'll, I'll start the game back up and have no idea where I'm going or what I'm looking at. And it's like, it's just like this big city that I'm not really sure if I'm supposed to cross the river to go to the other side to find the thing that I'm supposed to be like I'm apparently in the middle of doing that no one will update me on what's <laughs> happening in this you know yeah. like it's just like I, I turn it on and it's like as if I've been gone for a month but but in game I didn't leave at all you know so I just show up and they're like yep so go get that shoe from that lady and you're like uh shoe like, from the what lady what am I right. supposed to be doing uh, <laughs> oh for real. I don't know. I, I I think it's an exciting time, like I said, that the technology is there at all and we have the option. But I don't think it should be a crutch that is, is leaned upon all the time. You know what I mean? I think some games are better off without being you know, open. I guess that's the, the poorly put point I was trying to make is that I don't think these are game design decisions. I think they're bottom line decisions. Yeah. Like yeah. It's like, this is how we make a AAA game and make our budget back. So this is what you need to include in it. You yeah. Know? I think Ash made the point, like you said. It's like, it's not that I don't ever want to play an open world game again. It's just that, you know, it shouldn't be used as a crutch or in place of, you know, structuring a narrative or right. just making, having better gameplay, I suppose. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I haven't, we haven't really done a grind my gears in a while, but I just feel like maybe we are being led in a certain direction. Yeah. And I just wanted to raise some awareness about it. It's good. So what happens when you record on a Monday night and you have an ass on Aquato? <laughs> yeah. We what? An open world game. This was planned. Ash. God oh, sorry. damn it. Sorry. It's pulling, pulling back the curtain. Showed you how the chorizo is being made. Oh, chorizo. Sounds so chorizo. good right now. So delicious. I had tacos for lunch. Nice. Good. I'm jealous. Nice. We could have asked our burrito question. Maybe next week, huh? Maybe. Perhaps. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I guess that's it. Ash, why don't you take us home? All right, this has been episode 117. <laughs> yes. Does that sound right? For the entire uh, episode, it's 117. Yeah, 100, 100, episode 117 of the Rated NA podcast. Uh, of course, you guys can find us on Twitter, and that's at NerdAppropriate. Uh, you can email us all directly. That is Ash, Scott, Matt, and Hillary with one L at NerdAppropriate.com. You can head on over to our Facebook page. There's going to be some new pictures of people with um, interesting costumes and horse heads and stuff from AFO up in a few Sweet. days. So 
head on over to Facebook and check that out. And there's Google Plus and Goodreads and all of, of all other sorts of places where you can find us. Um, keep an eye out for us at PAX. We're going to be running around. So if you're at PAX, please shoot us a tweet. And um, we'll come say hi. Go to naaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaa